Grace and mercy and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. The word of the Lord that we consider together this morning is today's second lesson from the book of Second Peter. Do you wish that you could have been there with Peter and James and John to see Jesus' shining glory on that mountain? And to hear the Father's voice declaring Jesus to be true God who must never be mocked or ignored. To see Moses and Elijah assuring you that heaven is a real place where God's people will live forever. If we could experience that, we would likely say what Peter did. Lord, it is good for us to be here. We would also find ourselves reacting as those three disciples with our faces bowed to the ground, with our hearts pounding in fear because we know that we don't deserve to be there. One day, we will get to see that glory unafraid. But for now, God gives us what we need in the Apostle Peter's eyewitness account of that event. He gives us light, the light of our transfigured Savior in the light of his word. And he tells us, pay attention to the light. Peter and James and John had seen many amazing things. They had seen paralyzed limbs restored to strength. They watched Lazarus' dead body called out of his grave and so many other miracles of healing. But on this day, they saw even greater glory as Jesus began to shine whiter and brighter than the sun. And they met two people they had heard so much about. Moses, who had met with God at the top of Mount Sinai, And Elijah, whose prayer on Mount Carmel showed 450 prophets of Baal who the true God is. And there they were eternally alive and they were talking with Jesus, talking about Jesus' departure. They were talking to Jesus about his death. Why talk about death amid all of that glory and splendor? Because everything depended on Jesus' death. Jesus knew what was waiting for him when he went down from that glorious place. Already then, he knew the plot of betrayal that was developing in Judas's heart. Already then, he could begin to feel the clenched fists and the thorns and the nails. He knew that he would be forsaken by his heavenly father and he knew why it had to happen. It was because of sin, mine and yours. He alone could overcome sin with his perfect obedience. He alone could pay the price for sin that would have killed us. And that is what it did to him as he became the Lamb of God who takes away 
the sin of the world. And so the transfiguration of Jesus served to encourage him in this difficult work that lay ahead. The Heavenly Father's voice urged him on. The sight of Moses and Elijah highlighted the blessed results of his saving work. Because of what he was about to do, sinners like Moses and Elijah, like Peter and James and John, sinners like you and me too, can one day be welcomed into glory by our Heavenly Father. And the transfiguration of Jesus serves to encourage us too. We don't see any glory in the sufferings and the death of Jesus. Instead, we see weakness and pain and death and defeat. And we need to know that the one who endured all of that is the all-powerful, glorious Son of God. No one less than that suffered and died for us. No one less than that paid for our sins. No one less ever could. The Father's voice places his stamp of approval on all that Jesus did. We hear him say, This is my Son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. And in the light of that glorious sight, we too say, Lord, it is good for us to be here. And then we hear Peter say something that at first may catch us by surprise. He said, we also have the prophetic word as something completely reliable. Peter's original word is even stronger. He says that the prophetic word is actually more sure, more reliable than what he saw with his own eyes. Just think of that. God tells us that his word is more reliable than if we were there to see it for ourselves. And you and I are privileged to have this more reliable word of God. God's word is more reliable than anything else in this world. Everything else here changes and fades and crumbles. But the word of the Lord stands forever. And listen to what Peter tells us to do with this more reliable word of God. He says, you will do well to pay attention to it as to a light shining in a dark place. God's word is our only light in this dark place. And you and I can see and sense that darkness. Does it dishearten you? when you hear those news headlines of another shocking and senseless act of violence? What about our struggles to avoid a sin that troubles us? Or when we find ourselves slipping back into a sin that we thought we had overcome? Sad news from the doctor can dim our outlook. Death takes us through that darkest valley. God's word is right. This world is a dark place until the light shines. And the light is the one who said, I am the light of the world. 
And his word is a lamp for our feet and a light for our path. And Peter says, we do well to pay attention to it until the day dawns and the morning star rises. The dawn is the day of Jesus' return in glory. He is the morning star who will light up heaven forever with his glory. And this is the light that Peter and James and John saw just a brief preview of that day on the mountain. And that is the light that by God's grace you and I will see too. But until then, God's word is our one true light and we do well to pay attention to it. But do we always pay attention? Or do we sometimes pay more attention to what we think or want? Or do we sometimes pay more attention to what others feel or say? And then we end up with still more darkness. This light truly is a gift from heaven. The light of God's word proclaims a message far better and greater than we could ever hope for or imagine. Who of us would ever expect that God himself would come to our rescue? That he would set his glory aside for a time and make our sin his own so that our Heavenly Father can say, you are forgiven, be at peace. You are my child made new to live and to serve and to inhabit eternal glory. This is the message that is more reliable than anything else. And think of the certainty that this gives you. You can be 100% sure that your sins are forgiven, that God has wiped away the record of sin from your life each and every day. There is nothing more reliable than those promises of God. His word gives you the certainty to know that he will light your path and he will give you strength to follow his will. And here you find certainty for when the time for your departure from this life will come. Death is not just an end. Child of God, your departure from this life is your arrival into the glory of your eternal inheritance prepared for you since the creation of the world. God who welcomed those elders of Israel into his presence on the top of the mountain to eat and drink with him will one day welcome you as you are covered in the righteousness of Jesus. See a preview of this glory as your heavenly Father invites you to his table to give to you the body and blood of his Son to sustain you in faith. These are his words and his promises. Keep your attention on what Jesus has done so that you may one day share his glory. This is the only light 
that guides you to eternal light. No wonder the devil tries so hard to extinguish this light by so many attacks on God's word. Some will say that the Bible is not entirely true. Some will say that it doesn't really matter if you believe what the Bible teaches about creation or baptism or marriage, as long as you believe in God's love. There are others who say that the Bible is just kind of a a starting point to inspire people on their own quest for truth, which they define as whatever works for them. What does Peter say? He says, above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origin in the human will. He starts above all. He says, this is of highest importance to remember that not one word of the Bible is something that Moses or Isaiah or Paul came up with on their own. Not one teaching of the Bible can be dismissed as mere human opinion. But how did those writers know what to write? Peter says, the prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit carried those writers along so that their minds were thinking exactly what God wanted them to think, and their hands wrote down God's word with 100% accuracy. And the result? The Bible is God's word. A miracle of God. We call it the Bible teaching of verbal inspiration. That every word of the Bible is completely reliable and unchanging and ever true. That makes God's word the greatest treasure that we can possess on this earth. Let's make sure we treat it that way. That we pay attention to it. That we hold tightly to all it says. Study it so that you don't forget what you've already learned. Grow in it to learn still more because there is always more for us to learn. Never put off worship for next week or the next. Instead, open your Bible regularly. Gather together with others to to learn it so that you have the light that you and others need in this ever-darkening world. And think of the special opportunity that we have with midweek Lenten worship services to pay close attention to all that our Savior suffered and did as he died to be the Savior that we need to be the one who is the light of the world. When the Apostle Peter experienced the light of the transfiguration, He said, Lord, it is good for us to be here. Remember what you have. The more reliable than anything else, word of God is your light. In that light is a good place for you to be. You will do well to 
pay attention to the light. Amen.